All right, welcome to the Hidden Gems Basketball Podcast, the place that leaves you with a gym after every episode. I'm your host, Jordan Richard. We got my co-host, Ray McCallum. But today is not about us. We have a very special guest, a legend in the L.A. area, all the SoCal area, also the head coach of the G League at night, Coach Jason Hart. I really appreciate you taking the time for to be on the show, man. Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate being here. And shoot, we could talk hoops, man. You know, we can do that for days, man. So I'm happy to be here with you and Ray. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, and earlier I just mentioned, you know, you being a legend in in Los Angeles. Just, you know, what you've been able to do, you know, just throughout your career. First off, you know, playing at Taft, being an outstanding player. Then going on to Syracuse. I played with um, Stevie Thompson. You know, he was my head coach at Cal State LA. And, uh, you know, you doing that and also getting drafted to the league. You know, can you just talk a little bit about that? And did you ever see coaching, you know, a part of your future after you wanted to finish basketball? Well, obviously, uh, being from L.A., uh, having an opportunity to play at Syracuse, and then, you know, getting a chance to play for Bayheim, uh kind of set me on the path for me earlier in coaching. I think that, you know, seeing how these coaches give back to the game and give back to the youth, was something I always wanted to do. And as my career kind of wound down, I knew I wanted to get into college. I think that's the, the quickest way where you can touch the youth. You can grab individuals, take them out of the environment, put them in an the environment, help them make their dreams come true. So, you know, for being in college for 10 years as an assistant, you know, trying to get a head job when that didn't work, um, the G League Ignite was the next best thing for me because I was able to coach college-age kids but also make it more one and done and give them everything basketball-wise and, you know, without no politics. I think that was a, that was my avenue. That's the road I took, and I'm happy to, to have taken that job. Before we get into coaching, how how you uh, how do all the California schools let you go all the way out to the East Coast like that? Well, man, at the time, um, USC was on the come up. So they had, like, just finished. I don't know if you knew this guy named Harold Miner. His nickname was Baby Jordan. He went to USC. He was really good. Uh, he was a first-round pick, like, in 1993. But USC didn't have the facilities. They was playing this arena called the Sports Arena, which wasn't, like, a desirable arena to play in. And then UCLA, they had, uh, I don't know if you remember, like, Tyus Edney, Cameron Dollar. Like, when they won a the national championship with Ed O'Bannon and them. Yeah. And so uh, I went to ABCD camp out east. And uh, I played well. And uh, Beheim, you know, said I could start from day one. So it was an easy decision. And then Stevie Thompson, um, who went there from L.A., he did well. So that's that's how I got to Syracuse. But um, it was about getting an opportunity to play as a freshman right away. In your coaching pad, going, you know, from the AU scene and then also to USC, I mean, you, you were at USC when a time where USC, USC basketball has produced a lot of lottery picks, a lot of top picks. You also, we're going to start off with, you know, guys like Kevin Porter Jr. doing his thing right now. And then also having Evan Mobley and Big O, you know, shout out Big O. He's from, from my area in the IE. Talk about like just changing around that, that program and how you've seen the change and growth, you know, of USC. I know a lot of people think about OJ Mayo too, that comes to mind, you know, when he ended up signing there. But after that, just being able to produce, you know, top level talent and then making that transition to the G. Well, uh, man, to give you your respect, man, the IE is what put USC on. And in my tenure, when I got hired in 2003, we went and got a point guard named Jordan McLaughlin. And without him, it, it, it wouldn't be no Kevin Porter, Mobley, Chemezi Metu, none of those guys. Um, 
he was the first big time recruit that our coaching staff landed. And when we got him, he was able to bring a guy named Chimezi Metu who played with Sacramento the following year, and then Benny Bowright, and then it just started trickling. So Jordan McLaughlin was a key um, recruiter. And USC obviously made us a lot of money because he was bringing all these players, and now it's uh, it's looked at as a basketball power. And what we try to do is focus on Southern California talent. You kind of touched on it earlier when you were saying towards the end of your career you, you thought about making that transition into to coaching. So, like, what's the end goal? You know what I'm saying? As a player, I always respect it. You know, I play for my father. He coached as well. I always like to go play for a coach who, who played, who played the game, who's been through all – he's been battle-tested. He's been through everything. For you, I know, if I'm not mistaken, you went, you started in high school, did some stuff at the AU circuit. How was that transition? Like, how did you get to college? And then from college, how did you get to the G League? Well, from, from college, man, um, I uh, I was always trying to put my name in, you know, for different head coaching jobs. And um, it just was a slow process. You know, obviously the path is, you know, be an assist, assistant coach, recruit some pros, develop them, win. I felt I did that. And when the jobs wasn't calling, um, I decided to, to try something else. A lot of people told me I was foolish for doing that. I would get lost in the shuffle. And so um, Sharif Abdul-Rahim was my teammate in Sacramento for two years. He's the president of the G League. Um, when he had called and said he was looking for uh, a, another head coach, because Brian Shaw was leaving to go to the Clippers, I said, man, I want to do it. And um, I was offering names, but then when I was thinking about it, um, I, I seen that it would be a good process for me. So um, how he sold me on the job was coaching like five-star kids, but having them play against pros. And I was used to coaching that age in college. So it just made sense. And then being around him and Rod Strickland, um, two dudes that I respect highly in basketball, it made it easy for me to, to leave college and go. And then, like, the end game for me, man, is obviously – stepping into the NBA, man, possibly becoming a head coach. I see all my peers and friends becoming head coaches in the NBA from Chauncey Billups to Jamal Mosley, T. Lou, Ime, you know, so the, the shift is happening now, and I want to be a part of that way. Most definitely. And just talk about going into the G League, first days. Um, you know, I, I'm really anticipating you breaking down, you know, the G League at night, especially for kids listening. And how, you know, what has been things that you've noticed even from the beginning to the end and uh, I went to that game in Cleveland. We'll talk about that later. But just, you know, just talk about, like, from the start, you know, when you first came in and things that you noticed that's different from college. Well, for one, the G League is a step up from college. Uh, let's make no mistake about it. Um, you, you know, you got first-round picks, you know, that can't get no playing time with their NBA team having to go down for assignment. So from back from 10 years ago to where the G League is now, it's, it's full of young talent, 23 years old and younger. Some, you have some older guys, but majority is the young young men's league. And it's the now NBA's new hotbed of talent to where they're sending their players to get groomed for the for the NBA games. Um, what I was impressed with was the level of coaching, um, the level of talent, and everybody in the G League can shoot. So it's not like a place where um, there's no talent. There. It's a high-level league where everybody can shoot. It's a level up from college. So for me, coaching the young guys, um, it made it more interesting because every team is trying to give us their best because they know the young guys are making a lot of money. They know they're trying to prove themselves. So we're getting the other teams best, and I think that brings out the best in our young guys. It's, it's, it works for both 
but also let them know how hard it is to make it to the NBA. And that's the, that's the goal that we want for our guys to see. You got to work hard because the guys you're playing against are really good and they should be in the NBA as well. So what's the, for the average listener out there, like what's the process, right? So you're going to, is it Sharif, you as a group, are you guys going out kind of figuring, okay, this is a top prospect. We want to get him. And then how does that work? Or is it more so like the kids' parents trying to, trying to push it to, to bring him, you know, to, to you guys? How does that work? Man, it's just same like like a college recruiter where we go out to all the events, AAU, Hoop Summit, McDonald's games, all this stuff, and Pangos camps, and, and try to find talent that we think can be real, like one and done and get drafted. I don't think we want to get into the, to the thing and just taking any kid and then they don't right. get drafted. That doesn't look like success. So we try to go out and find you, right? You know, somebody like you that was getting 40s in high school, and we feel that you could be a draft pick and feel that you uh, have the right mindset to to come and be a pro early. Um, we don't recruit 100 kids. It may be like 10. Yeah. So we may not, you know, you may get two out of 10 or sometimes one. But the goal is to have these guys get their names called so the success rate and the percentage rate of players getting drafted in the night stay high. Yeah, for sure. And it's working. The last two years is the second year, right? So. Yes, yeah, yeah, second yeah. year. So last last year we had three out of four. That was uh, Isaiah Todd, Kamunga, Green, and then Dacia Nix eventually signed with the Houston Rockets. Yeah. Then this year we have we have a good group. Uh, I think uh, possibly five to get drafted this year. So I think the percentages are all right. Um, so we're just trying to keep it going now. No doubt, no doubt, definitely. Mm-hmm. And just this. There's, we could talk about players too, and I'm I'm gonna hit you with a name. I think you you might like Michael Foster. That's the first name yeah. that Pooh talked to me about when I came in the gym, and you know I saw him in combine, showed his passing ability. You know, just a guy that I feel like is a sleeper. I mean, you know, we have you know Jaden Hardy. I, I mean, a lot of people know his name, Marjan, but a guy like Michael Foster, right? You know, what are some things that you've seen from him in terms of his growth, and also just you know things that he adds to the league. And, you know, just, just him as a player in general. Well, Michael Foster, you got to think about this. He was a top 10 high school talent for the class of 2021. Mm-hmm. He chose to go to, to the Ignite because he wanted to become a pro and learn how to be a pro. So at 18 years old, he averaged 18 points, eight rebounds, and two blocks in the G League, right? So if he would have went to, like, I don't know, Gonzaga, Duke, and blended in with the other five-star, they could have just bullied. You could have tricked the system. And obviously, they'd be saying he's a top 10 pick. But if you break his game down, look at the, what he did in the G League. He's a typical um, multi-big who can switch pick and rolls. He can handle. He can pass. His, shoot, his shooting got to get better. But he's a multi-level big that they're looking for, being that he has that, uh, that skill set. In high school, he played guard. And then this was his first year. He was primarily playing the big. So you mix those two, and he's only 19 now. Um, with time and development, man, he could be a really good player. I think he's been slept on because, you know, uh, our season probably ended early or they just, you know, have other people that they like. But one thing about the NBA, the truth always come to light. And I think uh, what you seeing him at the combine, him doing well, people will just now kind of see what more he can do. But he, he did really good in the G League this year. I don't know why the respect is not being given. Just talking about like how stock can change and and the things that I do like about the G League is that you know I went to Cleveland for All-Star and then they had they incorporated a lot of the, the G League players 
within the Rising Stars game. And then also you guys had the the game that was at Cleveland State. And I went there. And I, I'm not, I'm going to be honest with you. I saw Dyson. I, I saw him in a couple of minutes. I'm like, man, this kid's incredible. Because now he's projected to be 10 to 6. Like seeing that and a guy just jump in one game. Well, Dyson uh, was a player that's from the NBA Academy. So we get a lot of players from, not a lot of players, but we get access to the NBA Academy players, the ones that want to go from the NBA Academy, Europe, Australia, Africa, Latin to, to the Ignite. And so he played U18 versus our USA team last summer. Did really well. So he already was on NBA radar. I yeah. think coming into the season, he was like top 30, top 35. Yeah. But like when you when you a six seven six eight do it all guard who's selfless who do a lot of other things um, you're gonna start checking off boxes and so his blow up almost didn't happen our first game we played against Sioux Falls played against the park point guard Marcus Garrett from Kansas and Dyson was bringing the ball before and he kept taking it from him. like confidence wise it wasn't as high you know being that he's come from Australia um, you know he's got to get used to the speed of the game and the aggressiveness of it. Had he went to college and turned the ball over like that and was a little, little nervous, he would have been there as a sophomore and a junior. You know, that's, that, that's, that's the whole part about this is about development. So I stuck with him. I wasn't taking him out when he turned the ball over. I wasn't taking him out when he was missing shots because the program is for these guys to grow. Granted, he worked hard, but it was, I think, our staff allowing him to grow and develop. And what you're seeing now is just the tip of what he can become he started to do that towards the end of the year. So he's moving up in the draft board because he's showing that he's going to be a whole other player. And he grew an inch and a half within nine months. Yeah. So yeah. he's going to be a really good basketball player, um, selfless dude, and uh, he gets it. The thing that really stuck out, me and Ray, you know what I mean, we play overseas. You played overseas too. Um, yeah. Just seeing yeah. how vocal he was, you know, on the floor – Rebounding-wise, also getting people in the spots, I think that really stuck out to me just because you know how it is when a player comes out from, from you know, playing overseas. Just seeing that leadership grow from him too as well. What's the growth from from the start to finish in terms of that? And then how did you guys help him, you know, continue to grow in those aspects other than just playing too as well? Having guys like Poole well, here. Yep, yep. I think having those solid veterans, Around him, we had Kevin, who was a veteran, got drafted to Utah about six, seven years ago. Pooh Jenner, obviously, Amir Johnson. The program is designed for the young guys, so our veterans, are, are they play, but it's more for help. And I thought Pooh did a great job, you know, point guard, um, coaching them when I wasn't. You know, I wasn't in a locker room with those guys, and so it, it worked out to their advantage because they were constantly getting groomed and molded on how to be a pro. And then for as a coaching staff, we just try to highlight him to his strengths. I think the NBA today, they want everybody just to shoot threes. Well, his strengths was posting up, rebounding, pushing, shooting his floater, and that's what we're trying to harp on. We didn't try to turn him into what the NBA wanted everybody to be. We just let him be the player that he was and how good he was. And then moving forward, he'll get the three-point shot and all that, but try to put everybody to have them play to their strengths. See, I, I know what I know what the G League is all about in, in, in the Ignite, right? Say I'm a kid, you know, I'm a top kid coming out of high school, and now I got all this NIL money, right, being thrown at me. But I know I'm going to be a pro. I want to get to the league. Like, what's the what's the day like? Like, what, what can you tell me as a kid? Like, hey, listen, you're going to come here, and we're going to get you better, and, and this is going to help you get to the league opposed to maybe 
going to college. And like you kind of touched on earlier, someone might go there and you might get stuck two or three years. You know what I mean? But what's the benefit of coming here? And like, what's the day like in the G with the Ignite? So with the Ignite, the day like with the Ignite, we start like, you know, group workouts or individual workouts in August. Um, you know, we, you know, you get up in the morning, you eat breakfast, um, lift weights, and then we do skill for about an hour and a half, two hours, but it's hard skill. It's not like, you know, that, that 50% pace. It's a hundred percent pace to try to get them up to the level of the speed of the NBA. You'll go home, rest, relax, and then you'll come back. Like we all played in Europe, you get your shots up. Individual shooting, no ball handling, just all shooting. And we multiply those days. We try to do that like five days a week, Saturday, Sunday off, um, a month, uh, two months straight of that. And we try to multiply that so they can kind of speed up their development. And then on top of that, Ray, if you want to go to college, great. It's a great – college is great. I went there for four years. But here you come and you're going to play 35 minutes, 32 minutes a game. That's a fact. So we – I don't – it's not a lie. We, you come in here to play and develop, and we're not trying to win a championship, although I want to win as a coach. But winning for me is seeing Dyson Daniels blow up in the draft right now and all these dudes get drafted. So I'm not competing with the coach for the Lakers. I'm not competing with the coach from – Okay, see, my job is to get our guys better, and that's what I'm doing. Got another one? Yeah, I'll just say one more thing. So, with uh, and I'm and I'm all for that. You know, I, I think if you're a player, you want to get there, and and you want that NBA experience, and you, you being a former player, and now you know everything you got and all the resources they have. What do you think now? Like, just with the college stuff, with the NIL, do you think it's you think some guys are going to be caught in a tough situation? Do I go to college or do I like how? How do you think this might play out? Well, for me, man, I'm happy that they got the NIL money. Um, I think it's been long overdue, so I'm happy that players can kind of capitalize on their name, like an image. And so, uh, for me, man, I think that um, a lot of young men will be going to college for the sake of money and not basketball. I think they. More will be chasing the short-term money, which is cool, uh, but it may not be the best basketball decision for them just for college. And, um, you know, I don't. I think a pro, uh, you know you're a pro, you feel it in your heart, you won't be chasing uh, short-term money. You're going to be chasing development and how can I become the best version of myself. So I think, um, obviously, when NLI, it's going to be players that probably should come to the Ignite team, will go to college, and that's okay. We just got to go find the ones that want to be here and come here for the right reason. Oh, that's fine. Um, yeah, for sure. Not knocking the NIL there. I'm happy they, they got a way to make money. But we just don't want our, our young men getting caught up in going to college for money as opposed to the better basketball situation. Uh, you are speaking the truth. You know, players have more stardom, too, now with social media, too, as well. Yeah, like, how is it, like, balancing the that? You've seen from the start when you played and now, you know, what basketball has transitioned to in terms of evaluation. You don't have any ABCD camps anymore where the top guys really play against each other. A lot of guys are separate from each other in, you know, shoe circuits. Well, I mean, we, we, get to, we don't get to see the top guys go at it as much, but you get to watch them individually as talent. And so, you know, talent always going to stand out regardless if you're on the Under Armour, Adidas, or Nike circuit. And so that's always going to be there. But times have changed. You're right from back when I played. And we, 
as evaluators, we got to change with them. We can't just sit in where we were and say, this is how it used to be. No, we got to change with times as well. And I think as we continue to grow with the game and grow with this generation of, of young men, I think we'll be all right. But we got to be open to some change as well and, and embrace this new generation of talent. Because it is what it is. It's not going anywhere. And um, just asking, you know, I got to ask you about three more guys too. Well, um, Marjan, uh, you know, a player that is, plays well on both sides of the ball, you know, played in junior college, had a different journey from a lot of guys, and still is managing to be in those lottery talks. You know, I think he's he's going to be a good, a good player. He's going to play right away in the league. Just your thoughts on him. You know, seeing someone that's had a different path than than some of everyone else. Well, he was a top forty talent coming out of high school. We we recruited him at USC. We offered him a scholarship, and um, he chose to go do uh, training in um, San Francisco after high school with that with that one particular trainer. And then for him, he had bad luck. COVID hit, and so once COVID hit, the training got shut down, and he had to regroup and and, and figure out something else. So you know, he was down. Um, you know, didn't know if he wanted to continue to play basketball. And so he found a love again at Yakima uh, Dream College, where he's from. And he was able to play at a high level and uh, was able to kind of get his mojo back. And then Rod Strickland got a call, went out, seen him work out. He signed with us, and then he bet, he bet on himself because he could have went to college after after Dream College. He could have went. But he, he thought he was a pro. He thought he was ready. And um, he came in, and he just – was the player that we all knew he was in high school, but he did it at that level right away. And I'm just tired of people saying he's an older prospect. He's 21 years old. Like, that's not old. Like, so, you know, if he was 19 or 20, they'd probably be saying top five. But he's a real good player. He knows what he is and who he is as a player, which is key. And for me, man, I think he's going to project out to be on the level of like a Michael Bridges. Because people don't know Michael Bridges was a red shirt at uh, Villanova at the freshman. So, you know, the, the kid we see today on TV, he had a path, a trajectory, and I think Marjan could be on that, that uh, same path. Yep. Why do you think people do say that by age? I do not understand that. I still don't get it. I mean, like, players like are still, like, developing at 21. I don't understand it. Well, it's just a narrative. Like, if you look at the, the mock draft, you see everybody's a freshman. I think the NBA likes to draft. 18, 19-year-olds because they feel they have more upside. But I think, um, you know, a 21 or 22-year-old has the same upside if they work. I think uh, the NBA probably likes to give extensions to, to the young prospect at, like, age 23, 24. And then if you got a 22-year-old, you'll give them extension at 26, 27. So I just think, like, they like to, to, to have it young and get more out of their talent. But Anybody can get better. I think um, you could be 30 years old still getting better. So I, I don't like to hear that. And that's why we have the G League now. Because uh, you got two-way contracts and G League contracts now because kids are younger and they got to send them somewhere to develop because they don't be ready. And and then you talked about, you know, Jaden Hardy. Uh, you know, you, you uh, I saw you tweet about his workout. He shot the ball phenomenally well. You say he's the best shooter in the draft, one of the best. Um, talk about him. I mean, just coming in, you know, top five pick projected coming in, and then just, you know, he's going to have he, – he learned when he got to the G. It's a lot different. A lot of people don't know that. I played in the D League. 
He played. I mean, Ray played in the in the G League. We all know how different the competition is. Talk about his growth, his maturity. You know, as a player, things that he brings that you've seen because you've been with him the whole time, and the team that drafts him, what they're gonna love about him. Well, man, he came in like you said uh, pre. You know, preseason he was a uh, projected top five pick, and so that what that brings a lot of anxiety. You know, you got a lot of people. Uh, you know, obviously read ESPN, read this type of stuff. And so I think that affected him early, trying to live up to that. Um, so he pressed early. Now, granted, for me, just evaluating, I mean, I thought all high school kids would press early and learn in the program. And so as the season went along, he kind of developed and understood um, when and when not to, learning shot selection, learning those things. But at the end of the day, they say he struggled. He averaged 19, 4, and 4, 18 years old. So I don't know, like, I'm biased, but when they say struggle, I don't know struggle. Maybe it was shot selection, but he was getting 25, 27, 28 points at a young age. So I'm saying, like, if I'm evaluating, once he really learned how to, by the time he's 21, 22, he's going to be a monster. And then he has a skill that I'm looking at the draft. Not too many have. He, he, all his shots come off the dribble. So that's what got him in trouble. But that's something in the NBA where it's a premium. You look at guys like Jordan Clarkston Obviously, Jamal Crawford, uh, these guys that come off the bench, Lou Williams that can score with no play, it's a premium. And I think that's what he's going to become, a guy that can get his own without, without, uh, without really using screens. Once he adds that part to the game where he can catch and shoot, that'll take him to the next level. But he can get a bucket, man, when he feel like it. And, and last player, Ray, uh, Ray kind of talked about, you know, players making the decision to come to the D player made the decision to come in early as a 17-year-old and that's school Henderson. I mean, if you're in the basketball world, one thing people are going to say, this guy's special. Every time, like, every time you ask about him, the word special comes along. What's been something that's impressed you the most? You know, how was he when he first came in as a 17-year-old? He's incredible when I saw him. You know, just your thoughts on school. Man, you know what? Like, I was just impressed with how mature he was. I think at 17, I was a junior in high school. There's no way that my maturity level was where he is. Um, I've never seen him come into a gym with a phone. Now, think about that. That's like coming into the gym on the phone, texting, looking at Instagram. I've never, ever seen him come into a gym with a phone. Now, if you think about it, that's very impressive because everybody wants to work out over. They go grab their phone, check the text, or come into the to the gym with their phone. I've never seen it, and so stuff like that is next level because um, he got an imagination of what he could become. I don't even ask him because I think I may probably like offend him. I think he on some like trying to be one of the best ever. So I don't ask him because he has a great imagination, and then for me as a coach was allowing him to keep his imagination, not trying to put him in a box. So go out there and do that, man. Whatever, whatever comes to your mind, I want you to try because you can't, you can't mess up here. And I think with that um, mindset of how we was coaching him, then also letting him go out there and see what he can and can't do, um, it was more that he can do everything. And that's how the, the, the whole school, you know, just uh, uh, I call it mania, man. This dude is on another level because, he got imagination, and we want to keep his imagination flowing and free. And um, I think next year he's going to be even better because now he uh, 
the ball will be in his hands and he'll be able to dictate, you know, flow, tempo, um, and learning how to run the whole NBA team from the jump. So I'm excited to see what he what he's gonna do this year. Cause last year was pretty pretty special. Yeah, no, I mean this is all great stuff. I mean, for me as a player, I think the best way you get better is by hooping and playing daily. And like you said, touched on it early, you know, playing against pros and first round picks coming to get down and everything, or getting sent down. But um, like, break this down for me. Where where are you guys based out of now? Like, and and, and going forward, like, do you think it's going to be one specific city? You got your own arena, and and how's it going to go? So we're based in uh, Walnut Creek. That's right outside the bay, close to uh, Cal Berkeley. Yep. Um, it's a it's a small city, but it's perfect for what we're trying to do because you got to think, right? They eighteen years old, so if we was in like a major city. Say we was in LA. It's just more stuff to get into. So, you know, uh, the city is it's a beautiful city. We're 20, 25 miles from San Francisco and 15 from Oakland. And then we're, we have Golden State to go watch games when we want to or Sacramento games. So it's a great place where they can train, develop, focus, and not be too far away from NBA uh, setting to, to, so they can see. Um, so we do play our home games in Vegas. I think eventually – uh, the whole operation will move to Vegas. Um, they got some arenas out there, and I know that uh, you know they they're looking to try to do have us in one city. So at, at the moment, we're still in Walnut Creek, California. Oh, so you played a game? So you practice in, in Walnut? Because I thought you guys were in Vegas. I thought y'all just moved it to Vegas. No, they fly. They fly. Yeah, oh, I didn't yeah, know you guys fly, fly just for the games. Day or two before, yeah, we fly to Vegas and um and and play our games out there. Yeah. Okay. Which is a, which is another thing too, like you, the traveling, the whole lifestyle. You can't, you don't get that. I mean, obviously, college life is totally different, but everything with it is is all league. So oh, that's what's up. No question. And, and and you teach dudes learn how to do back to back. You teach yep. them early nutrition. You teach them, you know, they can't go out and, and eat candy and, and chew bubble gum all night because you got you got a you got a Jordan Poole who spent a year in the G League two years ago. You know what I mean? Yep. So you 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 playing against real heat that you may not know of in this whole process was to teach these dudes to respect everybody with a jersey. Not for Just sure. Just because his name is not Kyrie or Kevin Durant or uh, Bradley Bill. No, you got to treat these dudes as if they are so your mind is right. And I thought these guys learned how to do that, respect everybody. And don't ever take nobody for granted because they don't know who is who. And yeah. so that was the whole process. Now they understand that part. Let, let me flip it to you then, since you just mentioned that, too. I mean, just players not knowing the guys they're going up against. A guy like Kevin Murphy in practice, who I know overseas who has had a hell of a career. You know, he played in Bahrain, too, won championships. He, wherever he's gone, he's been a bucket. You know, when they seen a guy like Kevin, like, yo, man, like, why is he in the league? You know, like, and then, you know, I'm sure in practice, like, yo, who is he? You know what I'm saying? Like, do they have a lot of those moments? Like, and just a guy like Kevin – how does it help him too? Like if, you know, a person that is, is doing well in his career that goes to the Ignite, how does it, how does the Ignite help him too as well? Well, it keeps him in the state. He can make good money playing in the state because our, our veterans and players make more than obviously, you know, the regular uh, G League salary. You keep him in the state, you know, he stay close to his family. But also for him, just like Pooh in the mirror, um, now you can kind of start thinking life after basketball. If you want to get in coaching, front office, um, you have exposure to that because, you know, GMs and assistant general managers is always at our practice. So 
that's yeah. their time to network themselves and to set themselves up for life after basketball, whether they want to coach or go in the front office. So we try to offer that for our veterans. And obviously you see we're pool coaching in the G League camp. Um, he's going to coach the NBA Academy in, um, in Atlanta. And so now, you know, Scoop, I mean, not Scoop, Pujetta would be considered for an NBA assistant job rather fast. And I think the Ignite program, that's what it's designed to do, help everybody. Pitching recruiting, I mean, you know, in G, how many times did you guys have, like, in practices and stuff, like, you know, a GM come or, you know, a scout come, watch your guys, or is that allowed? Like, how does that, that situation work in terms of that? No, so we're, we're no different from a college uh, when it's time to observe our prospects. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's on a daily, you may have 10 to 15 assistant GMs and GMs and scouts that are practiced. So these guys are being seen every single day. And what that is, it teach them that I got to practice a certain way every day. And for me as a coach, that's good because it's, you know, I, I, one thing I did not have to do, man, was kind of pump these guys up and say, let's go. They all knew what the game was and what they were trying to get to. And obviously the NBA scouts bring more incentive for them. But, yeah, typical day, man, you have 10 to 15 scouts every day. And then financials, too, breaking down financials this kid's making a lot you know making a lot of money how did mm -hmm. you how did you like what the g league did with that in terms of helping them financially putting them in the right spot to become a pro early in terms of knowing how to invest their money in and those different things well the ignite program man we pay for their degree um until they finish playing basketball we partner with arizona state um they take online classes and um their degree is paid for when they finish until they finish playing basketball, that could be ten years, four years, three years. So they they get online classes. Then on top of that, they get practical learning, um, financial literacy. We have they they go through those courses um, and how to manage a checkbook. Um, then they got we got psychologists and psychiatrists to deal with you no know, pressures of having money, dealing with family, how to say no. So we put them in all these situations to when they do leave the program, they not only graduate basketball but they kind of understand what will be coming their way when they get to the league and dealing with money. Because they don't have to spend none of their money they make with us. I mean, we provide housing, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, now this is a great platform. I think the G League is doing something great. Hopefully you ain't there too much longer, though, man. We want to see you in the league. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, 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 I definitely want to give back to the NBA for sure. Well, I am in the NBA, but now, you know, uh, helping somebody on the bench. But, uh, you know, we want to see this process uh, through, and then obviously we got school coming up, so I, I couldn't uh, bail on the, the school. I want to see this this process through. And when he committed to the program, it was a two years, so I want to see this process through. No doubt. Man, look forward to having y'all in the gym, man. Y'all got to come check us out, man, in like September, August. I think in, in July, NBA Summer League, man, I'm going to do like a uh, – hopefully – uh, have all our young guys now and do like a like a you know mini camp where you guys can kind of see man we'd love for you to come and get some coverage on our guys and then they'll go from the gym and, and go watch our previous guys who got drafted so they can start their process and they can see so it's okay. basically like field trips we'll do skill work in the morning and then we'll go watch our guys who just got drafted in the summer league that'll be in vegas so i'll i'll kind of give you the dates man we'd love for y'all to come to the gym and just get a chance to see a new group yeah. But that I'll, we'll definitely be there for sure because I'll be there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Ray will be there too. Yeah, I uh, would yeah. definitely like to um, ask two questions. Got that SC shirt on. 
you know, you transferring to to the G League Ignite, seeing a guy like Evan Mobley, wanted to ask you about him. Uh, a player that I've seen a lot in the gym, you know, he works with Olin, he's with Wasserman. Um, incredible, but he's done on the defensive end too as well. And then what JB Biggerstaff has done with him in terms of bringing him to a four. Talk about Evan Mobley's game and some of the stuff that you even noticed too just early on. Well, man, he's a selfless player. Unselfish is about winning. I mean, you got to think he was a freshman and took us to the Elite Eight. Um, he's not a typical seven-footer because his dad trained him to be guards. So they're, they they all have good feel, he and his brother. But his his the best part of his game is we don't know what he can become because he's still just scratching the surface. I think uh, as he starts to settle into who he will become as a player, um, I don't know if it's a mix between Kevin uh, Garnett or Anthony Davis. I really don't know. Because I didn't know he was going to be able to play the four that well as a rookie. So it's like, you know, once he uh, add a little bit more weight, a little bit more confidence, sky's the limit, man. He's a gym rat. Obviously, his dad's a coach. And he's just a, a nice dude, nice person. And I think that bodes well. I think uh, for all prospects, man, it, it's better to be humble and gracious is nice than a cocky asshole. I don't think people want to deal with that anymore. So um, he has all those uh, attributes, and that's why he's going to be a good player. Do you think that the, the Cavs have kind of changed the face of kind of the NBA in terms of how they yeah. did with Larry and, uh, yeah. and Evan and also Jarrett? Yeah, well – the NBA is, is a copycat league. You know, everybody was shooting threes, and that's good. But if I have three good bigs, I'm going to play them and make you match up to that and slow the game down and throw it in and make you foul. So I think JB coached what he had, and I think you will see the NBA going back to more big. Everybody going to try to get one with Mark Williams coming up in the draft and Jaden Duran. Everybody needs one now. You know, everybody, you got to get you another big because it's going to eventually go back big. Hey, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. And mm-hmm. Jay, we, we got to just ask, you know, just you know, just to end off, um, you played in the NBA. What are some guys, you know, I mean, you know, what are some things that you learned as an NBA player and some guys as vets that stick out to you the most that helped you along your career? Man, I got to say, uh, my vet when I got drafted as a rookie was a guy in a center. His name was Irvin Johnson. I think um, he was the first, a vet that I I had that kind of showed me how to carry myself. And the one thing that stuck out to me that he told me when I got drafted in 2000 was, you don't have to kiss no butt. Just come in and do your job to the best of your ability and uh, stay humble and, and go home. And, that was, and that's the motto I try to teach these players coming in is just do your best, work hard, stay humble, and go home. And if you do that, and uh, put your head down. You can have a long, good career. Ray, go ahead. In this off, Roger. Yeah, I mean, he, he hit me with everything today. So, um, now, nah, we we appreciate you being on here and hitting us with all these hidden gems. Like I said, again, I think what you're doing with the G League is uh, great great for these kids. And uh, like I said, hopefully you ain't there too much longer. I want to see you coaching in the league where you deserve to be. And uh, we'll definitely be following you for sure. I appreciate y'all for having me, man. And I'm going to hold y'all to it, man. I'm going to see y'all in Vegas, man, so y'all Let's can see our it. new group, man. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see y'all in Summer League in Vegas, bro. man. Yeah, for sure. sure. Can't so, wait to see you. So appreciate that'll be about a month. I'll see y'all soon, man. Appreciate uh, y'all having me on, man, and keep doing y'all thing. Thank no you. I appreciate, appreciate it. it.